0: From furry back jackets, helmets with capes, and every variation of a mullet you could ever imagine. The K-pop fashion industry has created some of the most iconic looks in the world and I'm here to dissect them. Hello, my name is April J and I'm a style connoisseur and content creator with over 10 years of knowledge in Korean pop culture. Welcome to a K-pop fashion history podcast. If you like what you hear, you can follow this podcast on Twitter, at k fashion podcast you can email questions and comments as well as feedback to pop history podcast at gmail.com red lip now earrings now high heel now back now red lip now earrings now high heel now back good now To see the vibrant, enchanting packaging, hearing the exhilarating beats of a K-pop song being blasted from the speakers, the fun in unusual ingredients like snail mucin and, and bee venom infused into a tiny tinted gloss or a cleanser was like nothing I had ever experienced before. Experiencing K-beauty, it's like falling down a pink wallpapered rabbit hole which I've been in love with for over 10 years ever since I walked into my first skin food store in the city of Samtok right on the east Sea in South Korea. My co-teacher brought me in and asked me do you know about k-beauty and at that time in 2012 no 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 2011 <laughs> at that time in 2011 I was like, "Hey, beauty I I don't know about this. I just figured out about rain and now I'm in Korea, please tell me more. So it really tugs at my heart to hear this inevitable decline of Korean beauty. Now this episode is based on an article from the South China Morning Post titled, Korean skincare loses its edge as Chinese embrace luxury, Western brands, and global customers seek simpler routine. When I read that, my heart really dropped. Korean beauty is right there in my heart with K-pop. There's K-pop, there's K-fashion, and then there's K-beauty. Well, and then I guess Korean food <laughs> as well. All of them are really close cool spots in my heart. <laughs> Now, let's say you're a chairperson of a business and you've become the second richest person in all of Korea. You're enamored. Nothing, darling, can stop you. Now, imagine three years later, you're barely in the top 10 richest. Now, side note, first world problems. <laughs> Wealthy people problems, we'll never know. But in this predicament, how would you feel? and you wonder what happened? This happened to Sao Gyeongbae, the chairman and chebol of his family cosmetics conglomerate Amore Pacific that owns companies like Innisfree, Etude, and La Niche. Their shares dropped 40%. It's a far cry from the past. In the last 10 years, foreign companies like Estee Lauder, Goldman Sachs, and Unilever spent 5 billion to acquire cosmetic firms and buy stakes which resulted in Korea being the fourth largest exporter of beauty products. In 2019, Korea was third, only to France and the US. Now, what are the reasons? Because from the outside it could seem like K-beauty's doing just fine. Well, the first has to do with China. Korean cosmetic imports have slowed there. Now remember when we talked about Korea being a huge exporter? Well, guess who was the largest importer of that Korean beauty? You guessed it. According to the foundation of Korea Cosmetics Industry Institute, exports increased by 14% in 2019, which was $3 billion. And then between 2013 and 2018, it increased by 41%. The THAAD missile crisis in 2017, which was an issue of the deployment of U.S. missile systems, led to China banning citizens from traveling to South Korean groups and restricting South Korean imports. China has also diminished the influence of Haoyu by influencing consumer perception, according to the head of Asia research for intelligence firm, L2. There's also been a ban on quote-unquote effeminate males on TV, which as we know, a lot of male K-pop artists wear K-beauty as well when it comes to the CC and BB creams and makeup. So it'll be very interesting to see how that pans out. Korean singers have also been banned from TV there. China also refused to import 19 Korean cosmetics products due to quote-unquote quality control issues. Now during that time that China banned those products, the Chinese decided to shop elsewhere. So in comes Hanan Island where prestigious Western and Japanese brands were sold duty-free at lower prices. So it's understandable if they didn't have access to the brands that they loved and there was another place to get it cheaper, I can understand them wanting to try something else. The second reason we come to of course is the huge, probably the, it probably the biggest thing that's ever happened in the last hundred years, and that would be COVID and the evolution of skinimalism. Now that fun, pink wallpapered, loud, colorful packaging and aesthetics that we talked about before, now isn't as a good a fit in today's times anymore. Quirky, bright colored, complex beauty routines no longer fit due to everyone having to stay in for so long due to COVID. Now, when you compare that to something like K-pop, which is pretty accessible anywhere, anytime, it kind of makes sense that the skincare, which we needed to go out, declined consumers started to become more concerned with the science behind the products we were using. SLES, paraben-free, vegan, doing our part to help reduce waste and chemicals. Just think of how many times you've heard of the word hyaluronic acid or retinol in the past year. I'm sure it's been a lot. These ingredients are known to be very clean and they do everything in one which brings us to skinimalism it's about a simplified beauty measure especially if we're not going out as more we're going to focus on our skincare more than our makeup who needs a 10 step regimen anymore instead of five different products that do five different things how about one that does all five now personally i never did the 10 step because it's a bit too much for my skin. I have combination, so a good exfoliator, a nice cleanser, and a face sheet mask, and honey, I am good to go. We also earlier talked about the simpler packaging. Obviously, with the more cleaner, simpler skincare regimen comes simpler packaging to match that. I mean, we were wearing loungewear, sweats, staying in PJs, less accessories, so it would make sense that the packaging reflects that, as well as being as sustainable as the ingredients that we're using. Also, the luxury brand market has grown exponentially more than the medium and lower ends, which most K-beauty falls into. Since people had a lot more discretionary income, since we were staying indoors more, they were able to afford the higher to medium level brands. So in addition to that, a more Pacific has seen that trend and has pushed Suhua Su, their luxury brand, a lot more. Lastly, we come to plagiarism. <laughs> Yes, your destiny know 본 순간 someone magic history. With K-beauty being more focused on marketing than innovation, just think of all the K-pop groups that are for brands and the focus on getting a free poster and free cards instead of them focusing on the ingredients. And we also haven't heard of many new innovative creations from Korean companies, just BOGO free. Photo card. I remember while I was in Korea, G Dragon was for the beauty company, The Sam. If you spent so much, which I believe was about $50 for the whole set, you got this huge poster of G Dragon. <laughs> and I spent $50 to get his poster, as well as he was for um, another company, which I cannot remember the name. BXX. Maybe it was BXX. It was a huge store that was in Myeongdong and you had to spend so much to get more posters of him and I bought a shirt a raglan t-shirt that he wore even though I don't wear raglan tees I bought it because D-Dragon had it on and I was young and just had to buy it but you know I bought the same products even though I really didn't know much about them but I just trusted you know it's k-beauty it's got to be great and I bought it because D-Dragon was on it I wasn't specifically um knowledgeable on the brand and the ingredients that they use so it definitely makes sense how um, k-beauty has come to fall behind because the focus really has been on the flair and celebrity then the products and ingredients as well as the sustainability now in 2019 nature republic which i love they're one that i would definitely highly recommend they sued more than 50 companies for using their intellectual property i also recently read an article about 10 southeast asian companies that look like they're Korean but they're not so because the packaging is so over the top and flamboyant and that's what it's known for it's easy to mimic that make something cute colorful pink you know maybe put something in Korean on it maybe add a k-pop star who you didn't pay (laughs) and get a license to use their image put some loud music in your store and bam so when I saw that article you know I didn't know any of those Southeast Asian brands but they looked like they were Korean just from looking at the photos. So I can see how they've had so many itch issues. So in the end, Nature Republic ended up suing more than a hundred companies for infringement. That is insane. The next question is, is this the end of K beauty? Now the answer is no, but it's trending reign is probably over. Simpler, chemical-free, sustainable, and more innovative products are here to stay. If the K-beauty industry can evolve by finding a balance between the simplicity that people desire now and the fun uniqueness of K-beauty, then they can pick up some of what they lost. Now a more Pacific definitely has to be reading all this obviously they felt it in their pockets but just weeks ago they announced that it intended to use a sweat proof wearable skin measurement device it developed with MIT to produce cosmetic products according to environmental needs it'll help in improving its product offering it was also inspired by the Japanese paper cutting art kirigami so it's really good news they're collaborating with Huge institutions like MIT to create innovative products that are good for the environment. So it's great that there is some good news. But for others, to solve this, companies should focus on revamping their brands by focusing on luxury products, strengthening the loyalty of their customers they still have while slowly earning back the customers that they lost. The China-Korea tension teeters from warm to hot depending on the season, so the reign of colorful, complex K-beauty in China is probably over. China's already started to push tangible and intangible Korean and western influences as it eyes becoming the most powerful country in the world. My advice would be to continue to attach K-beauty with all things Korean like K-Con does. That way you can get those new products in front of the customers that they want to have. Secondly, focus on Southeast Asia. Over 20 years they've supported how you and they're super loyal. Create a large market share there. Open branches in those different countries to control bootlegs and continue to show that you mean business by sewing. I'm sure this might have sounded very dark for a more Pacifics, but there is some hope. Revenue was up 11% in the first quarter this year because of its brand, Solhasu as online has greatly overtaken retail with profits. They've been reinforcing the image of their luxury brands, which now account for more than 53% of their domestic revenue. Seoul Hwasu made up 36% of that. And last quarter, Chinese online sales grew 100%, 60% of it coming from Seoul in and the Southeast Asia market growing 60% as well. Those are really great numbers. In conclusion, it could be five or even 10 years from now before the world goes back to the frilly and pompous styles that we once loved pre pandemic And K-beauty will reemerge, ready to usher people down its pink wallpapered rabbit hole, like it did me.